And open your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verse 22. And a Christmas miniseries on the wonder of Emmanuel. But this morning, Luke chapter 2, verse 22. And this is the word of God. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it's written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of men in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And the sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And join me. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. All right, let's pray. Father, indeed, we thank you that uh, your word stands forever. Father, these are familiar words. The story is familiar to us. We pray for your Spirit's help to grasp what we're to learn here, how to apply it to the way we think, to the way we live. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. My name is uh, Simeon, and you just read about me in Luke's Gospel. Thank you for inviting me to come and share with you what I know about uh, what happened that first Christmas 2,000 years ago. I was a very old man living in the city of Jerusalem, just a a few blocks from the temple. Uh, It was a difficult time to be a Jew. Sometimes it seemed like God had forgotten his people. The Roman occupation was all around us. Roman soldiers walked the streets. It was a stifling presence. A heavy air of oppression hung heavy across the city. The religious leaders who were supposed to uh, lead the people to a close relationship with God were instead driving people further away. Uh, You see, the Pharisees, well, they made being a a relationship with God a matter of just keeping rules, a matter of what you did externally. And their extra rules were more burdensome than Roman taxes. Uh, The Sadducees, well, they were religious leaders without any religion. Uh, Judaism to them was just a a cultural thing. So it was very far from their hearts. And since the prophet Malachi's prediction 400 years before that Messiah would come, God's prophets have been silent. So we long to hear from God. We long to hear the word of the Lord for Messiah to come, to overthrow the Romans and to set up uh, the kingdom of Israel once again. I got to say, Luke sort of embarrassed me. He calls me righteous and devout. Uh, 
I would simply say rather I was a person who, who just loved God. I believed God's promises and I tried to live according to God's word. No, I was far from perfect. Uh, but I understood from God's word that Messiah was coming. Uh, and so my whole life, I waited for him uh, to come and to establish his kingdom. And you know your world today. I've read about it. Uh, I watched some news while I'm here. Got a lot of turmoil in it. There's political oppression. There's war. There's slavery. Uh, I could go on. There's a lot of hatred. There are people that still try to make your relationship with God about what you do. Uh, or to try to make it some emotional experience that you have, a, a, a spiritual high. There are people who claim to believe God and God, but they really don't believe anything. For some, it's just a cultural thing to say, I'm a Christian. So I know it's not easy to be a follower today. Sometimes it means you have to stand alone. But let me encourage you, it's worth it. A relationship with God is worth, you know, whatever relationship in the world you have that you, you must give up. And remember, you're not alone. Even the prophet Elijah, though he was all alone, he thought he was, if you will, the, the last Christian in Israel. Well, God told him, now there's 7,000 others. Uh, there are a lot of fellow pilgrims out there with you, followers uh, who can give you support. Remember that walking away from God and God's way will always carry a price. Oh, well, enough preaching. Let me get back to the story. Uh, uh, one day when I was praying, uh, the Spirit of God spoke to me. Now, it wasn't an audible voice. It was more of a, an impression that just would not go away. And God convinced me in that moment that I would not die until I had seen his Christ, his Messiah. And what joy that brought to my tired heart. What expectation. Every day I'd go down to the temple and, and I'd wait for his arrival. I'd watch. I'd hope. I'd pray. I'd wait. And then one day a couple of well bedraggled shepherds made their way into the temple courts. And they were chattering incessantly about, uh, to whoever would listen, about angels. And, and they were babbling about a baby that they found in a manger whom some people insisted was Messiah. You could tell people wondered at what they had to say, but, well, most people would not really pay much attention to them. Shepherds aren't exactly the people you turn to as a witness, and, well, they're not the social elite of town, to be sure. At any rate, I, I got them over to talk to me, and I was amazed at the story they told me. Now, I suspect you probably already know the story, I'm guessing. They were out in the fields one night near Bethlehem. The sheep had settled down to rest, and they'd gotten their pallets laid out on the ground. And they were just dozing off when suddenly an angel appeared to them. And the angel was surrounded by evidence of the glory of God. And of course, at first, the, the shepherds had no idea it was an angel. They all thought it was something they'd eaten for dinner. Uh, and they were terrified. But the angel spoke, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy that shall be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. The shepherds, 
still startled by the angel's arrival, they were shocked. I mean, if indeed Messiah had been born, why did they, why did the angels come and tell them? Why were they first ones to hear about it? I mean, their minds were racing. And then they said, as they sat there in amazement, speechless, suddenly a multitude of the heavenly hosts appeared. Angels packed the sky above them, and they sang, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to those with whom he is pleased. I asked him, what did y'all do? One of them, his name was Micaiah, he spoke up. Well, we decided we better go check it out. So we headed straight into town, and everything was just like the angel said. A young mother, it turns out her name was Mary, and her young husband, Joseph, and a tiny newborn baby lying in a feeding trough in a manger. We were amazed. Of course, I think we initially rather startled the young couple. But after we told them our story, they had no trouble believing us that what we said was true. How amazing. Well, finally, we knew they needed to rest and, well, daybreak was near. So we left. And that's when we began to tell everybody what we'd seen, what we'd heard. And while people always wonder when we tell them, in the end, they, they shrug their shoulders and they walk away. They're just not interested. They do not believe us. Do you believe us? I paused. I mean, I was not really sure whether I did or not. I knew I wanted to believe them. I knew the Lord had promised to me I would see Messiah. And I knew I was getting old and I could not possibly live very much longer. That nagging cough had really gotten a a lot worse uh, in these past few months. Sometimes I really had to struggle to catch my breath. But quite frankly, why would the baby Messiah be placed in in a manger? Why would his birth be announced to shepherds? But before I could ask those questions or answer them, Micaiah spoke up and he said, Sir, come to Bethlehem. Come and see. Come and check it out. Well, I knew there was, there was no way at my age I could make that trip, even though it wasn't all that far. My health wasn't just, was just not good enough. I wasn't strong enough, no matter how much I wanted to go. But the certainty of his voice, the determination, convinced me they were telling the truth. There was a baby they wanted me to see. And God had certainly selected enthusiastic witnesses, even if they were shepherds. I said, Micaiah, I do believe you all. I do believe you. Now, let me tell you something. Many people have a hard time believing. The Lord has revealed to me that I will see Messiah before I die. And most people do not believe me either. They think, well, they consider me a bit of, what's your word, kook? All right? Uh, But just as sure as we're standing here right now, the Lord has made known to me that I will see his Messiah. And now I will. But how? If, If you'll not come to Bethlehem, Ah, I know they have to come here. 
they will have to come to the temple for Mary's purification offering and to consecrate this child as their firstborn. And if he's truly Messiah, well, the Lord will let me know which child it is. So I left the temple that day just full of excitement and anticipation. I mean, I couldn't believe the time had finally come. Uh, and each day I went back to the temple and waited with anticipation, expectation, and waited. Then one day I woke up a little bit early, and I could not go back to sleep, so I got up. And while I was praying, the Lord impressed on me that today would be the day to hurry up and get down to the temple and wait. Have you ever seen an old man run? Or try to run? We could do this afterwards and see. Anyway, uh, especially one who has trouble breathing. I mean, I must have been quite a sight shuffling through the streets of Jerusalem. And I was going past the bakery owned by Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah in recent years had become sort of like a, a son to me. Um, this is where I always bought my bread. Though in recent weeks, he'd been bringing bread to my house each morning so I wouldn't have to make the trip up there so early each day. And of course, the baker, Nehemiah, was up. Mr. Simeon, Mr. Simeon, stop. Where are you going in such a hurry and so early? You're going to hurt yourself. And you're out of breath. Come in here. Well, today's the day, Nehemiah. I know it is. I just know it is. Today's the day I'm going to see Messiah. Well, Nehemiah winced. He never really believed me that God had told me I would see Messiah. And he'd gotten tired of all the religious mumbo-jumbo with the religious leaders. And no matter how hard I tried to convince him, it sort of seemed like he'd given up on God. He always said, we've not heard from God in 400 years. Why would he bother with us now? So I was not surprised when he had that pained look on his face. Oh, Mr. Simeon, you need to rest. Come and, and sit down. No, Nehemiah, today's really the day. He said, well, here, take, take this roll. It's, it's, it's a gift. So grateful I took it. I got to admit I was so excited I'd forgotten to eat anything. And I shuffled on. I made my way into the temple courts. I sat down along the wall and, and, uh, and I prayed, Lord, please let me know who the child is. So I sat and I waited. It was just a, a little past 10 uh, a young couple came in with an infant. The clothes were not the nicest. In fact, his were rather tattered. They were not dressed the way you would think the parents of Messiah would be dressed. But even my doubts about their parents and my heart of hearts, I immediately knew this was the family. This child was Messiah. Tears of joy began to stream down my cheeks. I followed and I watched as they made their offerings. Then I approached them as they began to make their way out of the temple courts. Remember, Mike had told me their names were Joseph and Mary, so I, I called to them by name. And they seemed a, a bit startled, but I told them, well, My name is Simeon. We have some mutual friends, shepherds, uh, who told me about you. You need to know that God told me I will not die until I see Messiah, his Messiah. 
And the Lord has revealed to me that your baby is Messiah. With that, the confused, even fearful look on Mary's face dissolved into a smile. And she said, would you like to hold him? And I said, oh, yes, very much. Uh, What's his name? And she said, Jesus. I reached out slowly with my trembling hands and, and took the baby. Jesus, Yeshua, the name means Savior. Here is the child who is to bring salvation to God's people, to bring salvation to me. Here is the child who is to be the king, who is to reign over the house of David and reestablish the kingdom of Israel forever and ever and ever. Here is the child who is called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I mean, there was no doubt in my mind I was holding Messiah. This child, this special child, was God in the flesh. He was Emmanuel, God with us. And so I prayed, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory for your people Israel. So why did I pray that? Well, for one thing, I knew that God's word is true. He promised me I'd see Messiah, and I had. God is absolutely trustworthy. His word had promised Messiah would come, beginning all the way back in Genesis 3. You can always depend on God doing what he says. And second, I was ready to die. I was in complete peace that I had accomplished on earth, everything that God had intended for me to do. And like David said in one of the Psalms, I was prepared to enter into the valley of the shadow of death, unafraid. Friends, that kind of peace only comes as a gift from God. Third, I knew that Messiah was God's salvation for us as people. But more than that, God's word says his salvation goes beyond just the Jews. It goes to the Gentiles. Isaiah is explicit I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. That even includes a place like Chestnut Mountain. You know, the world in my day was a very dark place when it came to the knowledge of God. You can look outside of just a few people in history. Very few people other than, than Jews knew who the true God was. Like the Romans who ruled over us, people worshiped the gods of their own dark imaginations. But God's word says that the day of darkness will end because his Messiah brings light for everybody. He's the light of the world. And while Messiah certainly will bring glory to the people of Israel, this baby in my arms was the hope of the whole world. When I finished praying, Joseph and Mary looked at me in wonderment. They couldn't believe what I just prayed. Then I asked, well, may I give you a blessing? And they nodded yes, and, and I spoke directly to Mary. These words which God gave me to say at that time were hard to say. I mean, up till this point, everything about the Christmas story was, was joy, was delight. I'd always figured everybody would love Messiah. Certainly all the Jews would love him, wouldn't they? 
I've been certain about that. Certainly they'd all be thrilled that the king of kings who was to sit on the throne of his father David had come. And this is what the Lord told me to say to Mary. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And for a sign that will be opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul too. So that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Of course, you know that history has shown how true it was. When you read the Gospels, it becomes obvious that the Jews rejected Jesus. He was their falling. They stumbled over Jesus. Most of them did not believe. They spoke about Him and they, and they spoke against Him. And they hated Him. And they nailed Him to a cross. Their hearts were revealed. The true feelings of their hearts. And most everybody rejected them until that time. I I never considered the possibility it would turn out that way. I had not thought about the meaning of Isaiah's words, that he was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows, familiar with suffering. But also there are those who rise. The word there for rise is the word for resurrection. There are those who will believe in him. You see, Jesus is the decisive person in all of history. He's a sign of the world. He's a sign that points to his father because he's in his image. And he did the works that his father gave him to do. And what people think about who Jesus is and what he's done and what they do with that truth, that determines their eternity. It's impossible to be neutral about Jesus. You either place your trust in him So that you're resurrected and you spend eternity with him or you reject him. You fall over him and you spend eternity separated from him. Being neutral is impossible. But there's that one thing I told Mary. And at that time I really didn't understand what it meant, but now I do. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also. My voice broke as I said that something tragic, something painful was going to happen. Something that would hurt Mary's soul, but not her body. This would be something that would cause her great sorrow and hurt just as much as she'd been stabbed with a real sword. And the words that kept running through my mind as I held that baby knowing the baby was God, were from the prophet Zechariah. They will look on me, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. And I realized what was going to happen was the death of this baby. You know, I'd always picture Messiah as a triumphant, invincible warrior king. But I realized he was going to die. And as you know, the sorrow that would pierce Mary's soul was watching her firstborn be tortured and nailed to a cross. And she stood and she, she watched him die. 
Now that's a hard thing to say to a mother as you hold her tiny baby in your arms. The pain in her eyes expressed the pain in her heart as I handed the child back to her. She took little Jesus and she held him tightly and the tears rolled down her cheek and in my eyes. They rolled down mine too. And at that time, she did not understand about the cross that was coming. But she knew that the road ahead would continue to be a hard one, a long one. And that though she had great joy, she held Messiah, her child, her baby, yet God's. She realized pain was coming as well. Still slowly, the smile returned to her face. She gave baby Jesus a mother's gentle yet firming love and hug, handing him to Joseph and embraced me. Went back to my home, exhausted. I passed by Nehemiah's bakery. Nehemiah, I saw him. I saw Messiah. I held him with my own arms. Nehemiah looked at me skeptically. Mr. Simeon, you know, I, I did not hear anything about Messiah being down at the temple today. Nothing at all. But Nehemiah, I held him. I really did. The others simply missed him. Sure, Mr. Simeon, whatever you say. Here, here's some bread for your supper tonight. So I went back to my room and I was exhausted. But my disappointment in Nehemiah's reaction could not ruin this day. I'd seen God's Messiah. And I prayed and I thanked God for the privilege. And I wondered, what will happen to this baby? And I began to think about Nehemiah and all those in the temple today. How they missed it. And why? And the Spirit pointed me back to Isaiah. He had, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. We esteemed him not. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And I began to think the greatest problem in the world has never really changed. It was the greatest problem in the days of Noah, Moses, David, my day, your day. Our circumstances may be a little bit different. But the real issue is how we who are sinners can have a relationship with a holy God. And I know we offered animal sacrifices, always looking for the sacrifice to come. And is that what Jesus was? Would he be pierced for me? Would he give us salvation by dying? Now, I determined the answer must be yes. And I found myself amazed at the depth God's love, that he would do that for us. As I closed my eyes, I I thank God for what I'd seen. And that what Noah and Abraham and, and Moses and David and Zechariah had all looked forward to had come to pass. God's salvation had come. 
trusted God for all his promises, and I went to sleep with great joy because I'd seen Messiah. I'd held Messiah. He'd come. So my final prayer was, Lord, I'm, I'm ready now to see you, to enter your presence. Let your servant depart in peace. I was ready to die. As one of your writers put it, I spoke like one for whom the grave had lost its terrors and the world its charms. Indeed, they had. How true. The next morning, I took a loaf of bread with me and went to his house. I knocked at the door. There was no answer. Mr. Simeon, Mr. Simeon, still no answer. So I went in, and he was still in bed. I watched him for a moment. Then I reached down and touched his body, and it was cold. And I sat down into his bed, and I wondered, could it be? Could this really be? Did Messiah come? What Nehemiah did not grasp that morning was that I was more alive than ever. Because when I opened my eyes that morning, I was in the presence of the living God. But the question still remains, did Messiah come? Now, what's your answer? See, hearts are still being revealed every day. Jesus is Messiah. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. The incarnation, Jesus taking on human flesh, is Jesus' identification with us. He makes himself available to us as a gift right now. You simply believe in your heart that he's the one who died on the cross for you. And you ask him to be the Savior from your sins and the Lord of your life. Friends, he's the only hope for the entire world. There's no other way to heaven. So don't just sit on the end of the bed and wonder. Believe the good news that he came to bring salvation. And then believers keep watching for he's coming again. Because when he does, we who are believers will be forever with the Lord. I promise you, the waiting is worth it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we have hope because Christ has come. Father, our prayer is that each person here this morning has the hope of knowing Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. That if not, today would be the day when they would place their trust in you. They would believe that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, Father, and receive the gift of eternal life. Father, for those of us who are believers, Father, we wait with anticipation. Father, we wait for Christ to come. And Lord, our prayer is come quickly, Lord Jesus, come quickly. And we ask it in Jesus' name.